0: At the time, um, I, I didn't really understand what I kind of had moving for me or, or what this what this kind of brand meant from, for me. Um, at the time, I just thought, you know, I was this person that people called solo and I was someone that people admired or looked up to or, you know, had a certain opinion about. But now I, I really see that it's really be, like started to help me in my business career um, because I think. What I've found is that I was able to kind of create a level of credibility and a level of perspective that people have on me that has enabled me to like just get into different doors and to be involved with different opportunities.
1: Welcome to the Court to Corporate podcast. I'm your host Kirby Porter. On this show, we sit down with current and former athletes to discuss their personal playbooks and dive deeper into how it has translated into success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. You can find this podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at court 2 corporate is all about amplifying the journey of athletes in corporate America and showcasing how your athletic influence can serve to build your path. Stay up to date with more content and perspectives across all of our social platforms. These will be linked in the show notes, or they can be found on our website. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode. This is the Big 2-0, episode 20 of the Core to Corporate podcast. So thank you for tuning in. So we will actually just hop right into it today. And I want to start this episode by saying or asking everyone <laughs> to think about how often they hear the words personal brand. Like how often have you heard it in the past month, past two months, past year? I I will admit it, I say it a lot, guilty as charged, we say it a lot on this show, we say athletic influence and leveraging that. And um, I think we hear it so much today because it it actually is really important, but Just as much as it is important, it's also good to just pause from time to time. And because it's emphasized so much, think about what it actually means. So what what is a personal brand? How do people apply it? What does it mean for athletes and their career? And how does it also play to their advantage after? I started with that because obviously today's guest is coming on to discuss exactly that. So Solomon Mangum is a Howard Benz basketball alum. A current consultant at McKinsey, a real estate investor, and entrepreneur. And as we walk through his journey today, we we hit on a lot. We first start with talking about how he established his multiple platforms of impact while in Jersey, while at Howard, from being a four-year starter to founding the Howard Consulting Club to being the only Greek affiliated member on the team. We then transition to talking about how this athletic influence and brand that he built impacted him while as an athlete in a positive light and to this day continues to add value in his career. And then we tied all together with talking about how he thinks about the big picture of his career as a consultant, as an investor, and as an entrepreneur and why starting at McKinsey was a no-brainer for him. So with that said, we hit on a lot in this conversation as just mentioned. We answered the big overwhelming questions of personal brands and what it means for athletes. So with that, here's our discussion.
0: From Atlanta, originally, um, went to Howard for undergrad, primarily because my dad went there, but also got the chance to play basketball for years. Um, had a really good experience. Um, Proud of my career on most days, um, and happy I was able to play some college ball, um, and now I am a a consultant, um, so a strategy consultant, and um, also a real estate investor, and also someone who's always trying to uh, learn and, and get into the the next big uh, kind of business venture. Um, so I like to think of myself as a serial entrepreneur and. I'm um, trying to kind of build my career um, with that in mind, long term. Um, and I'm a I'm a very extra person. I like to have a great time. Uh, I like to uh, like to make jokes, um, and um, I like to like to have good conversations with good people.
1: Love that. Hopefully, we can have a good combo today, which I feel like we will. So let's start with Howard. Sure. So you mentioned your dad went there, but talk to us a little bit about your recruiting process. So. What other schools were you thinking about?
0: Yeah, um, so it's actually funny. A lot of people don't know this, but I actually walked on to Howard. No,
1: um, way. I did
0: not. Know and, and I, uh, yeah, so I, I ended up starting my freshman year and uh, most of my career um, and had a really good time. But actually, how it worked out, um, I had a few offers from some smaller kind of mid majors in the Southeast, um, but I wanted to be at an academic institution. Um, so Yale actually was my top choice and Penn was my second choice. Um, and with Yale, I was getting recruited as a small forward and, um, like when, when they wanted me to kind of come on board, they had another guy at the same position who I think they had kind of rated higher than me on their, kind of their recruiting board. Um, so there was a, there was like a one week period where they, where I let them know that I wanted to, to commit and to come. Um, but they... You know, I had to kind of wait to see what they were going to do with this other guy. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward, he actually decided to, to commit. Um, so that was a little bit of a heartbreaker because I really wanted to go there. Um, and it was, it was something my mom really liked as well. Um, so there were the other schools that I was looking at. Um, and Southern University was actually one of them, one of the schools who offered me first. I think I had like four or five offers. Um, but... I really didn't want to go to hbcu and like it wasn't even something that was on mind. and they had actually just went to the tournament so it was, it was a really good time to go there i don't know how they are now um so i kind of passed on that and then tulane popped up at the last moment and wanted to bring me on like in the spring of my senior year mm-hmm. um and then with that opportunity i was planning to go on a visit and then they had another guy commit like as soon as I was like preparing to like kind of schedule a visit with them. And this was like a, you know, an unsigned senior type of thing at the last moment. So after all of that, I was like, all right, dad, I'm just going to go to Howard. Um, <laughs> You're
1: like, I'm over all so, this. Like,
0: like yeah, I was like, it's whatever. I can hoop anywhere and I'll just earn my playing time. I don't really care if I have to walk on or whatever. So I called up um, Coach Nickelberry, who was the coach of Howard. I was like, hey, man, uh, my dad went to Howard. I really want to go to Howard. I already have an academic scholarship here um, because that was actually the only school that I applied to. Um, looking back, I didn't really I didn't really do the whole college application thing well. I only applied to Howard, didn't study for the SAT or anything. I just kind of winged it. Um, so I called the coach, Coach Nick, and I was like, hey, I have a few offers. I uh, would like to come up, take a visit, and, and work out with the team and try to earn a spot. Um, so I came up to Howard, actually started as a walk-on, ended up um, – earning a athletic scholarship, um, as I was there, um, got to start my first game and started my freshman year. Um, and it was kind of just a a crazy story because I, you know, I think throughout my career, a lot of people looked at me as a walk-on for a long time, but I, um, I like to think I didn't play like a walk-on. Um, so yeah, that's, that. the, the journey to Howard was actually very unorthodox.
1: That's really interesting. I feel so. Going even back to Yale, and it sounded like you, what you valued in potentially going there was the opportunity to do more outside of it. Your family loved that concept, too. Did you prioritize that going into Howard, too? Is that something that you felt like could also be fulfilled on Howard's campus and that team?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, like, what my my only understanding of Howard was, like, you know, m- A majority or a really good portion of successful black men um, went to Howard. Um, So I, you know, as a black man, I said, okay, I'm going to just continue that legacy. And my dad being one of my biggest role models and always pushing Howard onto me, like, throughout my life, I just never took it seriously because I I didn't recognize the value of, like, an all-black institution. Um, But at the time, um, you know, once I made the decision, I started to really see the benefits as soon as I was on campus.
1: So, talk to us about your experience while on the team. You mentioned that, you know, for a little bit, you were viewed as the walk-on, but you earned your time. You had the starting spot throughout your four years. How was the team experience overall? What was the culture like?
0: Um, it was really good. Um, I think I think my my team and my class specifically, um, like they welcomed me with open arms. Um, and it was it was always a competition because I think we came in with nine freshmen and we kind of had the mandate to change Howard basketball around. Um, we had like a marquee player in, in Jay Bird. Um, so we, we were just trying to kind of find and, and mix and match the pieces around him. So everyone was competing for the different spots. And um, like in, in high school, I was getting recruited and, and got my offers as a small forward. But at Howard, I ended up playing power forward. Um, and it was and it was really just like everyone was just super hungry and everyone was super welcoming. Even though we were competing every day, it was, it was still a family when we left the when we left the gym. Um, I had a few things like my freshman year where I had some stuff around like being a walk on that I didn't like, but it actually just kinda motivated me and then kept me pushing because I I'm I'm just a hard working guy and I, I could care less honestly on kind of how I got into the door. But once once I got let into the door it was it was kill time for me.
1: And a bit different from you, but I didn't play that much my first two years, right? I started my mm-hmm. junior and senior year but I feel like similar to that, those those things that you have to earn make it that much more valuable, and it really adds value to what you bring to the team and, and how your team trusts you at the end of the day. So I feel like getting your, getting your foot in the door is the first step, but it's like what you do once yeah. you're there, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, I actually, on that point, I think, like, um i actually had a lot of conversations with my coach um where he was just letting me like letting me know like the, the both bo- the boosters are saying like you know this and that and they're saying you know why are you starting to walk on? we got to bring another guy in mm. um and, and and that just honestly just kept motivating me and kept pushing me um and and i always knew like i wanted to be i wanted to be the the guy on the team whether or not i was the leading scorer or or whatever i wanted to have a a clear role in the team and it ended up me kind of self-designating myself as Mr. Double Double which was a joke <laughs> but I started to actually get like you know did double you doubles a it? lot and
1: okay sounds like that again did. <laughs> I said did you live up to the name
0: oh yeah yeah I, <laughs> I ended up leading the league and rebounding my senior year wow. and I was third my junior year so mm-hmm. I did live up to it but it, it was one of my jokes that I ended up just kind of you know kept going with um I'm always cracking jokes so that one actually came to fruition but uh yeah, it was it was a really good it was a really good experience, and I had some like emotional things that that happened for me because it was a challenge sometimes, like feeling like you know I'm the walk on guy or whatever. But um, you know, at the end of the four years, uh, like I'm really thankful for how how it played out, and as you said, being able to work with things really puts a different perspective on things for you,
1: of course, and speak it into existence along the way. Um, let's yeah. talk about a little bit off of the court so first we'd just love to hear about your experience going to a historically black college you mentioned your your dad went there but it wasn't really top of mind for you and sounds like yep. you came into it and loved it so would love to just talk yeah. about that first
0: yeah for sure um I think hpc was the best decision I've ever made um, and and if I did it again i would i would do it the exact same way and, and mm-hmm. make the same you know, decisions at the specific turning points that I had throughout the throughout the journey. Um, I think for Howard, it came down to, like, two big things. One was around, like, the spirit of excellence um, and, and just seeing, like, people that look like me um, really good and after it and really following on to the legacy that others have said before us, you know, over the last, you know, what is it, 150 years or, or so of Howard's existence. Um, and the second piece is just, like, it's a community. And I think like as a as a, a black person and a black professional or a black student, I think a lot of times at at, norm, at a kind of a non HBCU institution, I feel like it's not as clear of a community. I know there's uh, the black student organizations and, you know, a lot of black student unions and, and stuff that makes an effort. But I think it's just a little bit of a different different spin on it when everyone around you is kind of your family or your people and actually I had a third bucket and it helped me to really understand who I was as a as a black person really because I think one thing that I was fearful of before coming to Howard and and why I didn't want to go to Howard is I thought there was going to be no diversity and I thought that I would be in a situation where everyone was the same and I wouldn't be able to really learn anything from anyone else because everyone would just be in the same bucket as as a minority with me but I actually found that there's a a number of different ways that people think as as people of color, and you know, based on socioeconomic status, or based on the, the the region or the the geography that you're from, and stuff like that. Um, it really helped me to kind of add another layer to to myself as well.
1: I love that diversity in thought, and I wanted to start with that because you can see that you definitely made your impact on the on the community at Howard outside the game while you were there. You founded the Howard Consulting Club. You were the only Greek affiliated member on the team at the time. So we'd love to just talk about those two things if you wanna start with the Howard Consulting Club and and how that came about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's another thing that most people don't know about me, but um, I was very active in the School of Business. um, And and actually my biggest goal is to have my name on the Howard School of Business from some form of giving that I am able to do in the future. but in terms of my time at, at Howard, I think like, um, like the consulting club piece, I, I knew I had a certain presence and a certain brand for myself on campus um, where I was really comfortable with kind of being a first mover with different things. And that was one of the things that I saw was, was missing on campus. When I found that I was interested in the kind of the career of consulting and realized there was no club, um, I just took it upon myself to start it. And um, at the time, a lot of the firms, the, the top firms, were actually not even recruiting at Howard. Um, but through that through that organization and through that structure, I was able to, along with other people, to help to kind of bring bring those firms to Howard and also create a pipeline where students are able to have different opportunities in consulting. Um, and, and that's been, like, one of the most fulfilling things for me from, from my college career. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm super glad that that was super successful. I'll I'll actually just fast forward to, like, when I was about to probate and when, like, my process was complete. Um, I remember going into my coach's office with my head shaved. I had, like, you know, the, the waves look or the, the short hair look that I have now. But previously, I had, like, long, curly hair. And when I walked in my coach's office, he was like, why? Why did you cut your hair, or something like that? Or he he made a joke like, "Who are you?" or something like that, because he had never seen it like that in in the last two years. Um, and then um, I let him know like, "Yeah, coach, I'm I'm probating today," and uh, he's like, "What?" It, it kind of caught him off guard, and he's actually an alpha. Um, uh, you know, alphas are like you know campus kids or whatever, but that's a different conversation. Um. But, yeah, so I ended up probating and, like, you know, joining the the Cabal of a Soccer Incorporated. Um, and I think what, what that did for me was just it just helped me to kind of get another platform to just have impact on different people and to really, um, you know, steer the ship, for lack of better terminology, on campus. Um, and I think, like, being an athlete and also being Greek was just kind of a, a very interesting combination for me. It really, really added a lot to my life that I wasn't really prepared for in terms of social engagement and also just like the I I think I just had a lot of eyes on me that I previously wasn't you know previously might not have had on me um so I added some stress to my life but I think in terms of being an athlete it, it helped me to just uh like you know actually perform better as an athlete because I had more things in my plate so I was able to focus a little bit more um and then from a from a less tangible standpoint like I had all the jokes from my team uh like you know that the the pretty boy jokes and like the the strolling jokes because I was always you know a, a quote unquote pretty boy or, or you know whatever you want to call it but like my my boys Tyler JT J-Bird, Kofi you know every day it was another pretty boy joke and at a certain point I was like you're right so why do we got to keep talking about it but uh, it, it was a really good experience and I actually got a chance to like have a have an episode on a uh, on a um. ESPN like web series that we had with the, the undefeated. Um, so that was something that was really cool. Um, so we got to just kind of talk about grief life on campus and, and different things like that. So that was, that was a really good uh, uh, piece that, that came out of it as well.
1: I love that. I would love to now talk about what you just mentioned and that you had your brand on campus of being the first mover to new spaces, building new platforms, having multiple platforms and avenues to go to was that with intention and and how do you view that now like how did you view those things together while you were an athlete and is there anything that you're carrying with you now in your career
0: yeah for sure so i think at the time um i i didn't really understand what i kind of had moving for me or or what this what this kind of brand meant from for me um at the time i just thought you know i was this person that people called solo and i was Someone that people admired or looked up to, or you know, had a certain opinion about. But now I, I really see that it's really be, like started to help me in my business career um, because I think what I found is that I was able to kind of create a level of credibility and a level of um, not success, but a level of uh, I guess I, I don't know the word. It's not pedigree. It's not success, but sort of a uh a perspective that people have on me that has enabled me to like just get into different doors and to be involved with different opportunities because i think people have have viewed me as as sort of a dot connector or someone who can add value to different situations which has given me the ability to be in certain conversations um and i think a lot of that stemmed from my time at howard um because i i've I've always been kind of an overachiever and being an athlete wasn't enough um I wanted to be, you know, one of the marquee players on the team. I wanted to be someone that, that was leading the league in a stat category. I wanted to be a, you know, all conference player. Um, but at the same time, while basketball was certainly my only focus in school, to be frank, I also at the same time was able to still maintain, you know, strong, you know, grades and academics and also be very, be very involved in campus life. Um, so I, I think kind of the combination of the three kind of showed people around me that I was someone who was just hardworking and could get things done. And I think it is it has certainly kind of exuded me now um, as I think about my career going forward and, and the networks I have.
1: Of course. So you mentioned, when, when I asked you who you were, you said a consultant, real estate investor, overall serial entrepreneur, and I'd love to kind of pivot into how that guided your thought process while in undergrad and how you first identified these things and what's guiding how you're building your career now. So, my first question is kind of back to, to the journey of founding the Howard Consulting Club. What was your what was your first introduction to consulting in undergrad and and how did you know this was of interest for you?
0: Yeah, for sure. So another one of my own Orthodox stories that really doesn't make sense looking back. I love um, it. But <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> uh, my sophomore year, one of my good friends, Derek Oliver, you may know him. He's um, he's an investment banker in New York. Um, I was talking to him about just career stuff, and we started to hit it off on banking. So I started to pursue um, Goldman Sachs as an opportunity, um, and it was I had no reference for what that was, no reference for what bankers did or anything like that. A kid from Atlanta, my, my, neither one of my parents or any one of my family was in finance. So I knew nothing about finance, Wall Street, anything of the sort. I was just a finance major Howard. So began to pursue that. Um, and as I was planning to go for my Super Day interview in New York during the basketball season, quickly realized that that just was not going to work. <laughs> and <laughs> work I had to quickly pivot away. It just wasn't going to work out. Um, so I ended up taking another opportunity in New York that was with a smaller investment bank called Williams Capital, uh, which is one of the larger minority run kind of capital markets, investment banking firms. Um, And throughout the summer, I was able to still play in a summer league in in New York, in the Bronx with a few pro guys and some college guys as well. So I was able to still kind of prepare for the next season. But but along the way, um, I quickly realized that, you know, maybe finance is not what I want to do and I want to be more of a strategic thinker. Um, and I want to be someone who can start, run, and operate a business. So that's why I think I made the pivot to consulting. And then fast forward, I, I realized we didn't have a consulting club. And then we can talk about kind of the starting of the consulting club there. Um, so then realized that after, after undergrad, what I really wanted to do was going to be this consulting path and realized that there were a number of different firms in the, in the consulting industry and some were kind of more prestigious than others, or, or some were viewed with a certain, uh, you know viewpoint, um, so just made a decision to pinpoint you know what firms I wanted to you know potentially work at and and then ended up going through the interview process and then interviewing for consulting was a whole another a whole nother journey that mm-hmm. that I went through
1: how so let's talk about that. How was managing you mentioned for Goldman a super day during season doesn't really match up consulting yeah. we, we know the interview process is very rigorous. Um, would love to yep. just hear about how you manage that while while yep. with playing basketball as well. So let's just start there.
0: Yeah, for sure. So um my junior year was when I first started to interview for consulting. Um and I would be doing case interviews every day. So case interviews being the the format of a of how you kind of interview for consulting uh firms and what you do is you take a small business problem and you kind of build out your strategy or build out your perspective on the business and the fact the underlying kind of trends of the market or you know whatever kind of data you get um and you do that in like an hour um, and that's sort of your interview and how you kind of portray it to the interviewer at the firm that you can think as a critical thinker or sure. you know you're intellectually curious etc um so i would be doing like two or three cases a day while having basketball and, and while having class. So the way I would kind of structure my day is as a junior, I, I got super, I got super, you know, structured. I started to use my iPhone calendar. I would be scheduling things like I had my classes, I had my meal times, I had everything in, in my calendar. So, um, while I was preparing for consulting, I literally had no time for anything because I would be doing a case before practice, after practice, uh, in between classes. Um, and it was just a lot of like, a lot of networking, a lot of practicing, a lot of conversations that that I had, kind of pre pre consulting and, and pre interview that were you know super time con, and time uh, I guess time uh, they using my time. Um, so it was uh, it was a really good process, but I really loved preparing for consulting because it just helped me to kind of build a a toolkit around thinking about business problems that I knew that I would be able to utilize in the future. So I knew that consulting would be something that that made sense for me.
1: Of course. So you answered the why. Um, Can you talk about why McKenzie? And were you ever thinking about playing after your four years at Howard?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So why McKenzie, I think, uh, comes out of like three big buckets. So one, I think the kind of the pedigree or the prestige that the firm has is uh you know, a lot of people would say second to none and there's a lot of really good kind of uh press and, and media around the, the different things that the firm has been able to accomplish in its in its existence. The second thing just around the hardcore training that I've been able to get in terms of becoming a business leader. Um so that breaks down into a few buckets in terms of strategic thinking, in terms of uh business leadership and in terms of communicating as a as a business leader as well. And then the third thing is a lot of the people that I work with um, come from really, really strong and impressive backgrounds. Um, and, and some would say even on paper that I was maybe one of the least impressive people um, coming from Howard. Uh, you know, when I, when I went to McKinsey, they were not recruiting at Howard and there was not a pipeline for Howard. And I was actually one of the first hires from Howard And who, who knows how long. I, I don't know the stats, but when I joined, there were, there were no people that I knew of that had got hired at McKenzie out of undergrad. Um, so it was, uh, it was an accomplishment from that standpoint as well. Um, so it was just a clear decision for me, um, just, just based on kind of the underlying facts and the training and the experience that I knew I would be able to get. Um, and it's, it's certainly been, you know, been everything that I I thought it would be. So, so very happy with the decision. Um, and then in terms of basketball after college, certainly something I considered, um, and, and actually had a few opportunities to do so. Um, so there was actually one that I was really considering, there was an agent that reached out to me and he said that he had a team in argentina that wanted to bring me on um bring me in the center that i played with on um because they just wanted some guys that could rebound um <laughs> and so like there, there was that Double. opportunity <laughs> to, yeah it, let's hope let's hope that would stand in, in my hypothetical pro career um but it was really a an overseas kind of viewpoint for me um and, and the reason why i decided not to go against that is i I really just bet on my mind over my body um i I was never the most athletic player um so i um i was a little bit less confident in the ability for my skill set to transfer to the to the pro space where i think guys are going to be bigger faster stronger than than the college space um so i I, uh, i quickly just kind of pivoted my mindset to thinking i would actually rather like not play basketball anymore Um, And I would rather own an NBA team than to play on an NBA team. So I kind of switched my mindset, my my thinking um, to being like, you know, after this season is done, my senior year, you know, I'm just going to kind of let this let this phase of my life pass by. And I think I've been able to get everything out of this phase. So let's let's think about what's next.
1: You can always find your way back to the game, just in different capacities, as you just mentioned. Of
0: course, of course,
1: you know. So let's talk about your time at McKinsey now. So we know consulting, the interview process is rigorous. I'm sure the, the role can be rigorous at times. Can you talk about how some of these things that you're mentioning, the reputation that you built while you're on campus, the platforms that you had, you being a connector of dots, how have those things crossed over to what you're doing now? What are some of the biggest lessons that you're applying on your day-to-day?
0: Yeah, um, so... I think the biggest thing has been my work ethic that I had in college. That has been something that was just key for me um, throughout my career thus far. Because it it has been a super rigorous and stressful job to be honest. Um, there have been weeks where I was working the entire week. It felt like <laughs> like sun up to sundown is is not unfamiliar for me um, at this point. Um, so it's, it's like the, kind of the, the, the knack for just getting after it as an athlete and as a student athlete has helped me tremendously, um, early on. And then I think like being, being just a people person and someone who wants to treat people well and to, you know, help other people to succeed in what they're doing and, and which was a lot of the things I was doing on campus in terms of the, the, uh, you know, the consulting club or even the kind of the role that I played on my team. Um, I, I've, you know, maintained that, and now as I'm starting to think about kind uh, of being in a more of a management role at at, at the firm, um, it's it's uh, resonating a little bit more with me, I think now because uh, you know I'm able to just really think about the the people I'm working with, both above me and under me, and thinking about what do they prioritize, and then being selfless as I think about how I can how I can flex or how I can adjust to to kind of be a better teammate to them on on the day-to-day
1: that is something that comes up i i swear in every single interview um around being a people person and i think we are not i think uh paige tippett came on last week um as we're recording this right now and she she mentioned something that really hit she said everyone has technical skills at the end of the day right and what really matters is those interpersonal skill sets and being able To come to the workplace with empathy and being an empathetic person. So that's like, if I could hit one point home, that is it. That is the one thing um, I hope people can take away from this conversation. I totally totally
0: agree. Like, just be a person, be a human. Be normal. I say it all the time to people that, yeah, literally, I say it all the time to people I'm, you know, about to work with or different uh, leadership teams at at my firm. Like, I just want to work with human beings. And, like, I, I just don't have time for the, for the weird stuff
1: like
0: it's just <laughs> like just it's just weird and I, I just don't, I don't I don't I don't function well with that kind of stuff
1: right of course of course um, let's I would love to just hear more when we first started and I know I mentioned this halfway through the conversation but you mentioned the the multifacets of who you are today. How is that guiding the career decisions that you're making? So while you're at McKinsey, how do you think about your day-to-day, your month-to-month, and, and what do you think about your horizon beyond that?
0: Yeah, um, so I think I'm I'm a very entrepreneurial person, as I mentioned. So I'm always keeping my hands into different things. So I think right now I'm involved in a few different ventures, so I um, I own some of a startup, and it's, uh, it's primarily on the West Coast right now in the food tech space, um, headquartered out of Los Angeles, which I'm, I'm heavily involved in. And also on the East Coast, I own a duplex, and I'm also starting to think about how do I kind of scale that up and, and, and acquire and operate more properties as well. Um, and then there are a number of kind of smaller things that pop up here or there that I uh, try to kind of operate and, and get involved in. And then on a day-to-day basis, people are sending me different opportunities and, and different ventures that they're looking to partner on or, or, or things that I've helped other people to, to have success on, whether it's connecting people with an investor base or connecting people with different resources. I think I've been able to just kind of add my value from that standpoint. Um, and a lot of times I might not even benefit from it financially, but um, a lot of it is is to my brand, I think, which is like, I want to be the dot connector. And if I'm not... I don't need to be the operator of anything. And, and frankly, in in 30 years, if I own five businesses, I'm not going to be the operator of any of them. And, and I don't want to be necessarily the face of any of my ventures. Um, so that's been kind of the, the way I think about things. And I think long-term, I want to be in the kind of the investing space. Um, so investing in in companies and, and helping them to improve their operations um, so that's where I kind of see myself long-term, whether that's under the umbrella of a bigger firm or that's something where I've kind of constructed a vehicle on my own. Um, that's that's really what gets me going is taking on risk, investing, uh, and thinking about complex business problems.
1: Have you seen, seen The Black Godfather on Netflix?
0: The Black Godfather? Yes. No, I haven't. So
1: it just came out, and it's about Clarence Avon, and something that you just said Was that being a connector and being the person that connects the dots ultimately ties back to your personal brand. And you don't have to be at the forefront of it. You don't have to be the face of it. But it ultimately does return back in value. And what this whole whole documentary is about is how he is the black godfather of literally everything. Entertainment, sports, politics, music from 1932 up until now. And this this Netflix document was actually the first time that I've heard of him. But something that he said too was, you know, I I don't have to be at the face of anything. Some people don't even know who I am. But because right. he you, there's equally value in putting two people together and putting two opportunities together, and also will always come back to you. So. Something yep. that you should watch, and something that I think everybody should watch and just take notes on. Um, and that, you know, helping people out, it doesn't automatically have to give you value or money. But um, I think just like being a facilitator is, is always right. something that people will look out for. Would certainly, love to hear yeah. and you... I will, I will oh, watch God. that actually. Of course.
0: No, I was just gonna say I will watch that today. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, you you have to. It's really good. And how are you bouncing all this, right? Because you know, you just mentioned you're used to the sun up, sundown with Mackenzie. How are you finding time to incorporate all of these things into your routine?
0: Uh no answer. <laughs> <laughs> um I think I think um, it 's actually been a little bit of a challenge because i I want to have my hands into everything um, and that has that has had both a positive and a negative impact on my life outside of that whether it 's with friends relationships career a number of different things i 'm often over overstretched and I still haven 't haven 't found where my focus area will be and i don 't feel like I need to find where my focus area is right now um, I think a lot of times it's just ended up in me becoming like, you know, sometimes I, I, I drop the ball on certain things, to be honest, um, in terms of like, you know, I, I'll look at this by tomorrow and, and I end up getting busy with work, uh, which is super unpredictable. My, like, kind of my primary career is super un- unpredictable, which mm-hmm. does not help because it just cascades everything else. Um, so I'm, I'm still kind of, you know, racing to, to continue to, like, structure how I how I'm moving with my life. Um, but I think this is, this is something I'm comfortable with because I'm in the early stages of my life and I'm in i I'm in a situation where I feel comfortable with failing or being too tired or being unstructured with my life right now. So, um, it's a, it's something that I don't think I'm doing the perfect job on right now. And I don't know how I could possibly improve it just because I'm, I'm definitely kind of overstressed, but I'm consistently thinking about how do I, you know, bring more partners on or how do I structure Mm -hmm. things in a different way to be less of a, of a burden to myself?
1: It's a learning process, you know, (laughs) it's a learn as you go. go For sure. But, um, you go fast and you learn fast. So hear you on that. Let's finish up with some advice that you have for current student athletes that are looking to build a similar path to yours, whether it be consulting or, whether it be this multifaceted um, avenues that you just mentioned, what would you share?
0: Yeah, I think, I think people have to, one thing I always tell people at Howard and when I like go back and speak to groups at Howard or or do anything at, with, you know, people who were under me, I I always say like plan ahead with a goal in mind and, and then work backwards. So like, in in my in my college career, in basketball particularly, like before every season, I would set goals for where I wanted to be and what, I, what story I wanted to tell about myself and about my team at the end of the year. So like particularly my senior year where I actually fell short, my, I had like three goals. I wanted to average 15 points and 10 rebounds. I wanted to be the defensive player of the year. And I wanted to make every single shot that Bird passed to me, so that I could help him get to the NBA. Um, and those were kind of like three of my, three of my big, three of my big goals. And the third one was a little bit less tangible, but it was just about like being a dependable teammate because I know someone else is depending on me. Because you know, he needed to get his, he needed to get his assists, right? Um, and like, it was just kind of like how I was thinking about things. And then from like an academic standpoint through high school or for college or whatever, I was like, in college, I want to graduate with a 3.8 GPA. And in order to do so, I need to get this GPA and this semester I need to get this so that I can come back my last semester, which I was, you know, unfocused and, and didn't do as well or, you know, whatever the case mm-hmm. has been. But throughout my career, throughout my life, I try to like, you know, make a five-year goal or a 10-year goal and then work backwards and say, what are the different milestones that I need to need to cross over and able to Enable this goal, which is kind of long term. So I even do that now to this day.
1: All right, thanks for listening into this episode. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. Stay connected. Leave us a comment on Apple Podcast, DM us, or contact us on our website. Whatever is easiest. We want to know your feedback and what questions you have. Otherwise, we'll be back soon with more athletes, more perspectives, and more pro tips on the way.